We are so thankful, God, that you do what we could not do. Through your Holy Spirit, you enlighten us, you guide us, you prepare our hearts to see Jesus Christ, believe in Jesus Christ, be saved by Jesus Christ, and live for Jesus Christ. Live for you. Dear God, you are good. As we look into your word, prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say, not what I have to say. To see you, to see what you've done, and worship you. Right now, ask of God that he would soften your heart to the teaching of God's word. You would be receptive, discerning, and live in light of it. God, we love you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, children are dismissed to Children's Church, and please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And before we stand and read God's word, Please listen. There are several words that Christmas shouts. The first is humility. Christmas is when God the Son, the second person of the divine trinity, the co-creator of all the universe, took on human flesh. His first bed was a feeding trough for cows. His first visitors were lowly shepherds. His parents were poor and essentially unknown to society. His nation was, by and large, oblivious to his debut. They're first made aware by the wise men. And then what do they do? They let Herod have his way and attempt to kill Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing is Jesus knew that he would be treated this way. But he was willing to come and endure all of this for your and my benefit. For the glory of the Father. Christmas is about the deep humility of Christ. The next word that Christmas shouts is grace. Grace. Mankind does not deserve heaven. Mankind has no right to heaven. Mankind cannot earn heaven. Mankind, you... And me 
are sinners who only ever deserve the just wrath of God for our sin. But God, but God the Son came to give us not what we deserve, but to give us what we don't deserve. That by his grace, through faith, we might trust in him and receive eternal life. Christmas is about the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next word that Christmas shouts is sovereignty. Sovereignty. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that prior to the creation of the earth, prior to all of creation, God had Christmas all planned out. He had already planned to send the Savior. He had already planned to save. And then immediately after creation, in Genesis 3, he started to share those plans with mankind. To Adam and Eve, he promised the seed that would be a Savior. In Daniel, he said when Christmas would happen. In Micah, he said where Christmas would happen. In Numbers, he tells everyone of the sign of Christmas, the star that would light and guide the wise men. In Isaiah, God even tells his people about Herod and the future attempt he will make to kill the Savior. All throughout the Christmas account, you're going to see this phrase, as it is written, or as the prophets have spoken. It's because Christmas is about the sovereignty of God, the one that is in control, working all things according to his plan perfectly every single time. Christmas shouts the sovereignty of God. Now this past week as I was diving into the Christmas account, another word consistently just jumped off the page. And the word was worship. Worship, worship, worship the king. Zacharias, after the forerunner of Jesus is born, what does he do? What does he do? Look at Luke chapter 1. Look at verses what is it, 69 to 79? What does he do? He prophesies praise unto God. He worships God. When the angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, Luke 2.13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host doing what? Praising God. In Luke 2.20, what do the shepherds do after they see Jesus? Luke 2.20 says, they glorified and praised God. Luke 2.30, or excuse me, Luke 2.28, Jesus is taken eight days old to the temple to be circumcised. And what does Simeon do in response to seeing the Savior? He, the text says, blesses God. God. What does the prophetess Anna do? The text says, quote, she gives thanks 
to God. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, after the wise men come to Jesus, what does it say? It says they bow down and worshiped. It's worship, worship, worship all over the place. Listen, you know as well as I, family, being surrounded by family and friends at this time of the year, it's absolutely great and we all want that. Most of the time. Most of the time. Enjoying a warm fire, decorating, watching Christmas movies, that is, that's all fun. Giving and receiving gifts is a great tradition. But you know what? You know this. You take that all away. You take all of that away. And Christmas, the true joy and wonder of Christmas is still there. Why? Because Christmas is not about all of those things. Christmas is about who God is. It's about what God has done, specifically in sending a Savior, and in response, worshiping Him. And this is exactly in line with our ultimate purpose in life, right? What is the ultimate purpose of man? It is to worship God. It is to see who he is. It is to see what he's done in doing and worship him in response. This is why Jesus said, this is why Jesus said to the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. David said in Psalm 146, verse 2, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. 2 Corinthians 5.9, you know the passage. Paul says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim, we make it our purpose to please him. This is the ultimate purpose of man, and Christmas falls perfectly in place with it. Christmas is about who God is, about what God has done, and worshiping him in response. So today, and for the rest of the Advent season, we're going to be in this series called Come Worship the King. And we're going to see over and over again is who God is, what he's done, and the proper and the good response is worship, 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 worship. If you've closed your Bibles, open them right back up to Luke. And let's now stand for the reading of God's word where we will see this truth. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts 
of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Prior to this passage, back in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she as a virgin, was going to give birth to the Savior. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, she would miraculously conceive and give birth to Jesus, the Son of the Most High, God in the flesh. Quick question. Why did God choose Mary? Why did God choose Mary? Was it because she earned the right? Was it because she was sinless, worthy of veneration, a co-redeemer with the Christ, or a co-mediator with the Christ as the Catholic Church teaches? Was it for any of those reasons? No. None of those reasons. The text tells us why God chose Mary Look at verse 28, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. What does it say? And he, the angel Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Skip down to verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word favor in both verses is the same Greek word, And it's the same word that we translate over and over and over again, grace, undeserved blessing, undeserved blessing. Mary was a sinner in need of a Savior, as she calls God. Mary was a sinner in need of a Savior, just like everyone else. She did not earn, she did not deserve to play a part in the Christmas event, but she found favor. She found from God undeserved blessing. She found grace. God, out of simply and only the goodness of his heart, graciously chose her as a virgin to give birth to the Savior. The fact that God chose Mary is not a demonstration of Mary's worth, but of God's amazing grace. Just like the fact that if you're a believer, God chose you. It's not a demonstration of your worth. It's not a demonstration of my worth. It's a demonstration of his favor, of his undeserved blessing given to us. Here's another question. How is the virgin birth possible? Verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. Christmas is when God the Son chose in tremendous, unfathomable humility to take on flesh in honor of God the Father and for our benefit. 
The reason he chose Mary is the reason he came in the first place. His amazing grace. Like he came to save undeserving sinners, he chose undeserving Mary. And the reason for the virgin birth, the reason why it's possible, is because God is sovereign. As the text says, nothing is impossible with God. And what is Mary's response to this? What is Mary's response to who God is and what God is doing? It is worship, worship, worship. And the first way that she worships is by submitting to God. Submitting to God. Look at verse 38. Verse 38. In response to all God's plans, what does she say? And Mary said, verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The word translated servant, or your text may say bondservant, is the word doulos, which simply means slave. She understands her relationship to God, that God is the master, and when he commands, she follows, she submits to him. Now, that's so important. Mary was never told by the angel Gabriel what was going to happen with Joseph. Mary was never told that. We have no indication anywhere. At this point in time, she doesn't know how Joseph's going to react. Either he could divorce her or he could have her stoned according to the law of Moses. How is he going to react? There's some cost to submitting to God's plan. How are her parents going to react? How are the in-laws, the future in-laws, going to react? How are her friends and community going to react? All of these potential costs are everywhere. But despite the cost, what does she do? She submits to God. She, she understands that the benefit of submitting to God is always worth the cost. And to all this one, we say, John, this is not that profound. It's like a no-duh. You know, if, if an angel appeared to me and I had this divine revelation from God telling me to do something, it's, it's a no-brainer. I am going to do it. Really? You and I have just as valid and just as great, if not more so, divine revelation from God. Direct divine revelation. It's called the Word of God. And how often do we pull not a Mary, see God's word and not submit? Say, I'm not going to worship you by submission. Let me give several examples of this. God's word says, quote, God hates divorce. Period. God hates divorce. And outside of 
sexual sin or an unbeliever leaving a believer, outside of that, God says, no, submit. But how often do we question that? How often do we let that slide? How often do we refuse to worship God by joyfully submitting to God? Holding back forgiveness and allowing bitterness and anger to consume our hearts and dictate our actions, and it scares me to think of how often I do that, it's a blatant sin, right? It's clear and obvious that God, via divine revelation, does not want us to wallow in the sin of unforgiveness and bitterness. But how often do I, do we, say, I'm not going to worship you, God. I'm not going to submit to your will. I'm going to keep driving this home because... I need it. <laughs> Husbands, it is your and my privilege and responsibility from God to love our wives as Christ loved the church, willingly gave his life for the church. We are to be of the same mentality and action. Wives, it is your pleasure and it is your responsibility, given by direct revelation from God, to respect your husbands. But how often do I say, I'm not going to worship you, God. I will not submit. I will not do as your word calls me. What Mary does here is commendable. And granted, it is via the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We have the same Holy Spirit. And you and I can react the same way as Mary does, despite the potential cost. This is incredible. Mary worships God by submitting to God. She sees who God is. She sees what God is doing. She recognizes the potential cost. They are there. And she says, I am a servant of the Lord. What are you and I acting like today? Now, how else did Mary worship? Mary worshiped, as our text today really clearly communicates, she worshiped by praising God. And there's several details in here that we're going to point out. The first is the location of Mary's praise. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's praise is not just an external show, it's in the soul. She worships in spirit. 
Her worship is not just an external action, it's an internal action. Her mind, her will, her emotions, they're all engaged. One theologian writes, like the instruments in a great orchestra, all of Mary's thoughts and emotions came together in a crescendo of praise from the inside out. Let me say it this way, I, I can be extremely false I can sing praises loudly. I can sing praises with tears in my eyes. When it comes to praise, I can be a very good actor. I can sing praise. I can give praise, speak praise, whatever it is, with hands in the air and inside be totally disengaged. Or inside thinking and only thinking, who is looking at me? And God hates that. You know that. Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 8 says... Jesus says to the Pharisees and scribes who did all of this, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Praise God Mary's not doing that here. She gives this external and internal praise. She sees who God is. She sees what God is doing and she gives all of herself inside and out. Now notice the passion of Mary's praise. The word magnify can also be translated exalts or celebrates in your text. It's the Greek word megaluno, which literally means to make meta. To make a big deal. To make large. The word agaleo means to celebrate intensely. In other words, externally and internally, Mary is making a big deal about God. Why? Because God is a big deal. Next, notice the longevity of Mary's praise. The words magnify and rejoice are written in the present tense continuous sense, present tense continuous sense, meaning that she's not saying, from my soul and in my spirit, I magnify you once. She's saying, this is what I do. This is who I am. My daily walk is seeking to magnify God through praise, to sing of him, to tell of him, to worship him. Next, notice the attitude of Mary's praise. Verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You only need a Savior if you're a sinner. And she recognizes this. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he who has, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. There's just no there's just no pride there. What was Mary's humble estate? At the very least, it's the fact that she's a sinner in need of a Savior. And she's praising God because God has graciously given her this role in the salvation plan. And God is graciously functioning as her Savior. The attitude is one of humility before God. Not demanding of God. In the slightest. Next, notice the direction of Mary's praise. She magnifies the Lord. 
She rejoices in God, and no way is this about her, and no way is her praise or worship directed toward anything or anyone else. It's all for God and God alone. In light of who God is, in light of what, of, in light of what God is doing and going to do, in light of, you could just say at this moment, Christmas, she is worshiping God through praise. Now look at the reasons, the reasons for Mary's praise. Verse 49, for he has done great things for me. The first reason that Mary praises God is personal blessing. Great things for me. God is allowing her to partake in the salvation plan. Not only to give birth to the Savior, but to give birth to her Savior. She is praising God because God has done great things for her. Just like you and I. We can all look back and we can all look forward and say God has done great things and he will do great things. And this comes out in external and internal praise to God. The next reason that Mary praises God, look at verse, look at the end of verse 49. She says of God, his name is Holy. To be holy, you know, means to be set apart. Mary is praising God because God, who he is and what he's done, is holy. It's set apart. No one else could do Christmas. No one else could be such a humble Savior. No one else could take such a humble sinner and transform them and utilize them for a virgin birth to give salvation to all mankind. No one else does this type of thing. She's looking at who God is, what God has done, and saying, I will worship you. The last reason that she praises God here is in verses 51 to 55. And you notice the word has. What she does is she looks to all the past events before Christmas. And she begins to worship in light of it. She begins to list and from verses 51 to 55, what you have is quote after quote after quote after quote from the Old Testament highlighting all the various wonders of God, what he has done, what he is doing. Mary is seeing who God is. She's beginning to understand what God is doing. And this glimpse that she received is driving her to worship God. This is what Christmas is about. Who God is, what he's done, and in response, worshiping him. And in light of this, I have a couple applications. First application is study Christmas. I'll say it this way. One of the reasons I don't like Christmas, if you could say it that way, is I have to preach the same passage. And you're like, John, I've heard it all before. Get it done with. We become, we're so familiar with this, right? So familiar. You can guess most of what I'm going to say before, what I, before I say it. And when we become familiar with something, so often we forget that something. 
When we become familiar with God, what God has done, that can lead to greater worship, but can also lead to forgetting and downplaying what it truly is. So my challenge to you is to study this. You'll notice I did not walk through every quotation. There's about 12 here in her prayer. Because I'm giving you an assignment. You've got some homework. I used to be a teacher. I want you to study. I want you to dive into Christmas, not just on Sunday, but on your own over and over again. Because when you dive into these passages with a humility of God can still teach me, then what does God do? He teaches. He enlightens. We get a a fresh, may not be a new, but it's at least going to be a fresh glimpse of who God is, what he's done, and my responsibility in light of it, which is worshiping God. So you have a homework assignment. I'll be, I'll be, you'll be turning in your papers next week, all right? Study this. Look, look up those 10, 12 quotations from this text and say, wow, she's pointing to all these. Te- Whoa, she knew her Bible. She knew her stuff. And God did that. Oh, yes, I remember now. God did that. Even prior to Christmas, God's worthy of worship. And at Christmas, God's worthy of worship. And after Christmas, God's worthy of worship. So that's just my challenge to you. Get rid of the, oh, I know everything about Christmas attitude. And study and see and worship. Next application is worship God with submission. Worship God with submission. Today, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ... You are not worshiping God with submission. You are rebelling against God. You are not believing in the Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can't worship him. He does not accept your worship because you're rejecting his Son. And his will for you, his will for you, what is it? John chapter 6, verse 40, is that the will of the Father is that what? Everyone believe in the Son. And today I would beg you, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that you submit to the will of the Father that you submit to God, that you believe in Jesus Christ as the one Savior and Lord who came, was born of a virgin, and then lived that sinless life, and then eventually died on the cross. Why? To pay the price for your sin and for my sin, so that all who trust in him can receive eternal life. Today, if you're not a Christian, submit. If you are a Christian, wow, do we still need to do this in so many ways, right? Right now, think about where you're not submitting to God. And then what do you need to do about once you, that thought comes to mind or God brings it to mind? You need to confess it. You need to repent of it. You need to enjoy God's cleansing from it. And then you need to submit. Then you and I need to live, strive in the power of the Holy Spirit to live differently for him. May this be a Christmas of transformation if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. And may this Christmas be a one of sanctification, growth if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, not just the next Christmas. Last application, you can probably guess what it's going to be. Worship God with praise. Give him the glory, not just here, not just during this hour, but be a person who's constantly speaking praise. Be known as a person who's constantly magnifying, pointing to, glorifying God. Let's pray. Dear God, you are so good to us.
You are worthy of all of our worship. I thank you, Lord, for the example that you have given to us through Mary. How she, a sinner like us, sees you, trusts in your plan, and worship. Lives for you. Dear God, I, I pray as people come up and they sing this next song in light of communion, in light of your son not only coming but dying on the cross and paying the price of all our sin, I pray, God, that you would strike us with the realization of who you are and what you've done. And that it would drive us to worship. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.